0: You're listening to Permission to Shine, the podcast. Stories of overcoming obstacles and finding self-empowerment. With Sharice Bizram, Inner Power Activation Leader. The Oxford Dictionary describes permission as the action of officially allowing someone to do a particular thing, consent, authorization. What if you were that someone and you gave yourself the permission to be everything you wanted to be and more? No more playing small and accepting less than. You are worthy of the life of your dreams, regardless of what it is that you've been through. And honestly, it's exactly what you've been through that has shaped you into the version of yourself that you are now. Like a diamond, you've endured so much, but instead of breaking, you've become stronger and brighter. And if that's not a reason to shine, then I don't know what is. And if nature can do it, then why the hell can't you? You are brave, you are strong, you are powerful and you are enough. Hear my call and give yourself the permission to shine because you don't realise how many people are inspired by your light.
1: Hi, everyone. This is episode 26. And I'm so excited to welcome Jenny on. Now, it was such a really random encounter. I was on a call and it was, um yeah, full of powerful women, business women. And Jenny was like, I need a guest for my podcast this week. And um, everyone was like, Cherise, Cherise. And I was like, yes, me, take me, Jenny. And um I was like, and then in exchange, I want you on my podcast. So here we are, Jenny. Thank you for coming.
2: It's great to be here, Cherise. It's uh, really lovely. We have just recorded my episode, so it's going to be great to get. It's almost like bookends, isn't it? We've got Yay. your perspective and my perspective on either side, and uh, the listeners can enjoy both aspects.
1: Yes, and I love doing that. So tell us a little bit, bit about what you what you do now, Jenny, and obviously your podcast, and and then we'll go into a bit deeper after that.
2: Um, So for the last three years, I've been working as a life coach primarily um, and an NLP practitioner, probably most passionate about the NLP aspect because I love um, how we can use language in neuro-linguistic programming to very quickly change mindset. Um, And then four months ago, I was sat, maybe five months ago now, I was sat in Birmingham on a podcasting day and I had been procrastinating and procrastinating and within half an hour I messaged my partner saying, that's it, I'm doing my podcast, it's it's starting. So that's been going for about four months and it's called The Drama Dialogues and I absolutely love it. I have had some amazing guests on and you are now in that uh, list of very amazing people.
1: My friend said to me, Jenny, you know, lots of interesting people, don't you? I'm like, yeah, I really do yeah absolutely that and I think that's um probably testament to our characters as people because I feel also the same but then obviously which was really amazing on your podcast you told me about the fact that you went to fashion college and obviously you dabble around in drama and all these nice things I think that's where um obviously you meet these different people in different spaces don't you because if you follow that linear pattern of just doing a nine to five and you know which I'm not dissing because I know a lot of people do and I'm not not cutting that out but if you had no space to meet anyone else other than the same people People. You know, that's why you don't meet anyone interested and, and varied. Um, but obviously that's all down to our individuals and we attract who we are, don't we? So maybe we're a little bit weird and that's why we meet weird people. <laughs> definitely
2: (laughs) absolutely for sure um and and i do think that that is the thing we attract what we put out there so if we're all doom and gloom and we wonder why we're surrounded by people who are doom and gloom have a look at yourself first
1: Mm, i always say blaming
2: everyone around you
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely i would say you're a mirror to your universe what you are is reflected back to you and it's exactly that So please, please tell us your story, Jenny. How did you get into this career pathway and um, yeah, anything you want to share? The floor is yours. No, that is a long story. (laughs) Um, So
2: I, if we start from uh, my art college, I did, I hated school, absolutely hated it. And I did my degree in fashion, which I also disliked intensely. Spent most of the four years thinking I should have moved to Theatre Costume, but didn't actually move to doing Theatre Costume. I just sat there thinking about it for four years. Um, got my degree and went into a ship management company where I tried not to stay for 12 years. <laughs> I spent 12 years going, I'm not staying, I'm not staying, I'm not staying. And because I was never staying, although I progressed, I didn't progress through levels that I could have done because I never intended on staying. And um, in that time, I met my um, ex-husband when I was 19. He was 20. We got married when I was 24. And uh, we had our first daughter at 27. It was all very, very traditional, linear. You know, we had the whole conversation about it, And I said, I, I want to have my child in July. So we had the conversation. She was born in the middle of July. And, um, you know, it was, it was all very, very structured and traditional. And, um, I was really invested in being a good wife and, um, a good mum and doing all the things, but I had my daughter and, um, realized quite quickly, but vocalized after four and a half months that I had postnatal depression. And it was such a shock because I've been around kids my whole life. My dad was the eldest of 10. So I had 25 cousins and I I had babies around me all the time. I was used to babies. Like it was none of that. But the hormonal impact was just like being hit by a bus. And so it took quite a long time for me to sort of confess (laughs) that I wasn't feeling very good and that really happened when i watched my daughter who was in her little play thing and she was just stood there in her play thing where you know where they press buttons and stuff and she was just watching me crying and i thought "Mm, this isn't good is it so i really fought to um get better and we've just talked a lot about your um toxic masculine traits and and i had those too but also in in the realms of postnatal depression where I would go to the doctors and sort of demand to get better. And through that demanding, they were very much of the impression that I wasn't a high risk case or I wasn't that bad. Or So I had to go through all these weird processes of CBT, which I found very, very difficult and, and didn't help at all. Um, they, they assigned me a consultant, but it would get cancelled every month because something else more important had come up. Um, I saw a psychiatric nurse who came and told me that I was living as if I was on holiday and I was in the wrong house and the wrong neighborhood and the wrong job. And um, it was my fault that I couldn't get the med- all the medication options because I insisted on breastfeeding. And, you know, so she didn't last very long either. And, and this whole process was just so bloody hard, like it was so hard. And ultimately, when I had my second daughter, the doctor at the time Um, because she'd never met me before my postnatal depression and when I had my second daughter she went I'm so sorry she said you're a completely different person I had no idea but she had nothing to compare me to and the system is so bad that that like we had private health care couldn't get anything privately it was just like a complete battle all the time that I was up for you know i'm a doer i'm an action taker so i was like right (laughs) what are we gonna do let's do it um so that whole time was not my favorite um eventually i went on antidepressants which i was on for a year came off them too because i wanted another child decided this time that july was a terrible month to have a baby it's too hot in july so i was going to have a baby in april (laughs) So my daughter arrived on the 1st of April as my happy april fool 8 days late because <laughs> when they said you do in march I was like oh that's fine you know march is fine it's it's um close enough first of april there she was <laughs> So you can see now um Charisse, the manifesting and the kind of control element of my life it was like meet your boyfriend at this time get married have babies and then i was like well, we decided um I wasn't working for the company anymore, which is another different story. You can read it in my autobiography, um, <laughs> which I'm writing. I'm I'm nearly there on my first draft. Um I didn't know what I wanted to do at all, like no idea what to do. Um, and so we sort of agreed I would be a stay-at-home mum and progress my husband's career. So that led to us moving from Scotland, where I I I wasn't from Scotland originally. I was from England. We moved there when I was 12. Moving to Scotland from England at 12 years old and going to high school is not easy. Um, and it's uh, the first day I was asked what football team I supported. I was like, football? I don't like football. And then I realized they were, eventually, I realized they were actually asking what religion I was. I don't know, like I had no idea. It was just a very different culture. They weren't massively embracing of a 12 year old English girl. Um, it was pretty tough. So that's you know the school years were difficult. But anyway, we were there for 26 years, and then we spent 10 years in uh, just outside Lockerbie on the Scottish border, and then my husband got a job in Norfolk, so we moved to Norfolk. This is a whistle-stop tour, moved to Norfolk. We were there for six months. He came home one day and said, I'm gonna have to find a new job. I don't like the ethics of the company. He was correct. We then ended up in Derbyshire um, on the 27th of December in the snow with two a three-year-old, a seven-year-old and a dog. Um, And I've been here for 10 years, but six weeks after we moved there, he then moved again and again and again and so at that point our relationship ended um after we'd been here because there was just too much stuff in the midst of all of this I ended up with a thyroid illness um I had overactive thyroid Graves disease because I was just so emotionally unwell and like all over the place I thought it was being lazy because I couldn't get off the couch my hands were hurting my temperature was unregulated my like my whole body was screaming at me to stop and I was like I can't stop I, I how can I stop I've got two kids I've got I've got a husband to support I've got, to, blah, got, this, got this, blah, blah. and I was just going mental and um the doctor called and said uh, yeah your thyroid's all wrong and I was like mm, what's the thyroid and what's all wrong so that led to a journey of me having to work out how to heal myself without having my thyroid removed some people absolutely have to have it removed um i was fortunate enough that that wasn't the case i've been in remission for eight years now without medication which is quite unusual um and me and my husband separated we had been married for six uh married for 11 years together 16 years and I sat down in my minimum wage job as a secretary at the cinema, because it was 10 till 2, Monday to Friday, and I could take the kids to school and I could pick them up from school, earning next to nothing, but doing essentially what felt like a full-time job. And uh, went, what am I going to do? Like, I need to do something with my life. I was the chair of the PTA. I'm, I ring bells at the local church, even though I'm not particularly a churchgoer. And um, it's it was a hobby I had. So I was on the education committee to help people with their ringing. I was a secretary secretary for the ringers. I was a professional volunteer, giving away my energy to every single person that asked. And it got to the point where my best friend banned me from going to any meetings where we knew they would be asking help, because I would literally have to sit on my hands because I couldn't help myself if somebody wasn't going to do it. And I'd just wait and I'd wait and I'd go, don't do it, don't do it, don't do
1: it, don't do it. And then i go, oh, I'll do it. No, I. do you know what is funny? Because obviously I was saying about how everyone kind of um, saw me as that strong person to help them out through everything. And I think yours is that element of obviously helping and that's fulfillment. And that's the masterdom, isn't it, that we talk about quite yeah. a lot. That's the masterdom yeah. that we feel that fulfillment. And it's, um, yeah, it's just crazy, isn't it, that we that is what we associate with being a good person, a good human being is giving away all of our resources and energy to everything else because it's selfish to give it to yourself, isn't it? Like, you know, that's the Western the Western cultures um, yeah. ideal of that. And it's that's, yeah, just completely all wrong. And I guess what we're trying to change within that. But yeah, really interesting, obviously a couple of the things that you, you mentioned in there. And I just, um, I've, obviously you've probably come to this Realisation as well now that the thyroid obviously is a byproduct of your inner world, isn't it? You know, and I think a lot of people don't understand that connection. I, I talk a lot a lot about how I um have had IBS and working through that. That's obviously from trauma. The thyroid is exactly the same. And I think um as women as well, there's always this um this niggle, isn't there, inside of us that something isn't quite right or that doesn't feel good. And I think we get to that point where when we're not aware or self-aware or tapped in, we ignore it. But now obviously the more you heal and deepen, you understand that when something doesn't feel quite right, you are mm that that's that's not it, you know. And um, I'm sure there was moments leading up to the severe like ish like issues, I say, the the like kind of health issues that you had with the thyroid, there must have been some like fatigue or something in your body that you were ignoring at that Oh,
2: time. I ignored everything. Mm. I had mild postnatal depression. There's no such thing as mild postnatal depression. Like you you're depressed. Yeah. I had like this, had aching hands. I was a bit achy. I wasn't a bit achy. You couldn't get off the couch. Like my hands mm. were shaking. But I was like, oh, it's all right. It's just because of stress. It's just because of the oh, I was a master of brushing everything off. Yeah. And and I still do it now. Um, and then I have to remind myself, Jenny, you've been here before.
0: And my partner's
2: very good at that now. Um, Matt will always go, Will you go to the doctor?
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: And also, you know, what I was saying in, in your episode about the rest thing for me, it's like, you know, rest was almost something I didn't do, or, you know, like that quote that it's like, sleep when you're dead. Now I'm like, Give me the sleep. When can I sleep more? I will sleep when I can all the time now and um to be fair I've always been quite a lay-in person I always like to lay in but um you know just having a day where I'm not doing anything else like today for me is that day I'm literally recording with you and then um I said to my stepdad I was like let's go for a walk and get coffee I was like and then that's us for the day we've got my nieces coming around in the evening that's a beautiful day for me but the old version of me would have been like right Jenny, from this time to this time, Jim, this time to this time, walk this time to this time, lunch. This time, do you know what I mean? So now it's like yeah. finding the flow. But I think like, you know, a lot of um, women entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs in general, you know, but obviously it's normalized more for men. And I think, you know, in the, that patriarchal, but well, that's another conversation. But I feel like the women that I meet, the strong women, that we almost have an element of that, because that's, been our survival mechanism hasn't it like that regiment feeling um I say feeling that regiment structure it's kind of stops us from feeling and that's what causes the emotional burnout
2: yeah one of my top values when I when I had my own coach going through my values with me and um we always have this kind of idea of what our values are and we kind of go oh yeah I I like freedom and I like values things um we have this, this, um, thought of values, but when you do it with a coach and you really drill into your values, it is really mm. powerful. And what came out was like, my top value was feeling valued. And mm. I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. So when you're the, this is my driving value. This is the thing that actually drives me. So I'm not, it's where my, these driving values are where my subconscious takes over. So my subconscious takes over with feeling valued. So I have to now, now I know it's feeling valued. I can be very conscious of how can I feel valued without killing myself in the process? How can I feel valued without tolerating shit in the process? Mm -hmm. How can I feel valued without giving myself away all the time? So it's knowing that that is one of my top values and then being able to consciously go, okay, I'm I'm try, driving for this feeling valued thing. Um, How can I make this more positive and less toxic for me?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's a bit of self-awareness. And that's like one of my pillars that I talk on a lot is the self-awareness game. And I think so much power comes from that. And evidently in what you've just explained, you know, like the fact that you now can see that and it's something that's still, you know, going on in your life as it always does. You know, I think that there's no, if you eradicate something out of your life, ultimately that I don't think that's healthy at all you know in terms of behavior patterns or thought processes that you've had for a long time I think it's all part of that nurturing process isn't it easing it out um so I think the fact that you're able to now you know alchemize that to make it work in your favor that's a beautiful thing for sure but um when obviously I I met you a couple of um well it was only a couple of days ago really wasn't it (laughs) and I was speaking about how um you are great at I mean obviously you've mentioned it as well about how you've manifested you know the birth of your children which is just amazing i mean there's probably an element of obviously super control within that but you know the fact that you managed to get that there that is amazing but they were speaking about how um obviously you've come out of your marriage and then you dated for a while and you met your incredible partner that you're in now so speak us a little bit through obviously you know going through that divorce process but also like you know now find your partner and I guess there's some like like you're speaking about your values yeah please explore that with us.
2: So me and my husband, it was a really amicable separation, like super amicable. We just went, you know what, we're like siblings and this isn't really what we want. We want to explore more in our lives. So we decided to separate. We sat down, had the conversation, um, no tears or anything. It was just like, okay, so we're going to separate. Six months later, so for six months, we did this process where he took the kids every weekend without telling them anything he would just take them off every weekend and then the next weekend I would deal with them and then he would deal with them and then after six months we sat down and had a conversation with them and um I guess they were six and nine at time-ish that that sort of age um and we said look this is what's been happening for the last six months and um so things aren't going to change massively differently to what they've been but um, they will change. He he lived with us for about a year after we separated and then moved closer to where his work was, which was a few hours away. So that it was quite a sort of gentle process. Um, we Every Christmas for the first four years, um, he came and stayed with us. He came to my 40th birthday. We did all, all these things together. And then um, at one point we sort of went, okay, we're gonna have to start with divorce proceedings. And that's where things went a little bit wrong. So we're not particularly friendly anymore, which is a, it's a real sadness. Um, It's a shame, but it's just sometimes that there was a real lack of communication, a lack of fear. There was a a real fear, I think, from both of us about communicating well, almost, um, because if we communicated well, we might have to deal with some stuff. Um, And so we, there were certain things that would come up that we just completely misunderstood each other or miscommunicated. So eight years down the line, we're still not quite divorced. (laughs) We're just waiting for the paperwork to come through. So that whole process was quite difficult, but, um, sort of immediately after that, I fell into another relationship quite quickly. Um, and that was a really difficult relationship in that we were good friends. We both shared a hobby, um, and but our values didn't match at all. I didn't have the words for this at the time. I wasn't a coach. I wasn't trained. I didn't really have the words. I just knew that what we wanted and our stages in life were completely different. They didn't match. And we carried on with this for four years knowing this. And it was so difficult. It was just, and then pandemic happened. And we talked a lot about your change in life in pandemic uh, in my podcast, but my change from pandemic was we'd been together for four years, and we didn't lock down together. And we, I went, well, I don't, my kids do not want to live in his house, his house was more than big enough to accommodate us. But we didn't want to live there, he certainly didn't want to live in my house. So we spent the first kind of few months, um, dating via zoom and all of that kind of stuff. And it just got more and more difficult. And one day when we could do walking like together and stuff we went for a walk and i said to him what exactly do you love about me (laughs) his response was jenny why do you always ask such awkward questions (laughs) and i was like okay (laughs) this isn't that's not a good answer as to why you love somebody um now at this point i had started my coaching training and in fact by this point, I'd finished my coaching training, and he was finding it very difficult to get to grips with the new me, because I had changed a lot in my training as a, as a coach and as an NLP practitioner in that time. And the day that it completely ended for us was the day that I completed my NLP um, qualification. I got off the phone from my NLP qualification. I called him to say I'd passed and he said, well done. I burst into tears and I was like, it was proper not crying because I was so emotional. And then he looked at me and he looked at his watch and he said, "Uh, the neighbor's got a cup of tea for me. Can I call you back? (laughs) So bless him so uh, he wasn't very emotionally aware so at that point I thought no you can't call me back like this is it this is us. This is done 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 after lots of done 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 so anyway at that point I thought you cannot go into this again like you have to sort your shit out Jenny so I had therapy I had coaching and I joined a relationship course with a, a psychotherapist in America who specialised in relationships and we did this month-long course and I learned about attachment styles and I learned about love languages, and I learned about positive dating, which I'm so passionate about now and, and help people with, and good profile writing. And when you're dating, it's not, a, it's not about finding everybody that might suit you, and everybody who might be all right, it's about finding that one person. So your profile is there. It's like, instead of, lots of profiles are built as vanity metrics, for people to get 500 likes but then you've got, it's like casting your net out catching 500 fish and then going well they all look the same so i better date them all but i don't know which one's right or you get your rod and you put your nice little golden fish on it to bait the fish that you want and you chuck your line out there and then you get the fish that you want so that's what i did And, um, after I had a a couple of really nice dates with I also went online going, there are really nice men looking for really nice women. That was my mantra. I never, ever received a dick pic. I never received anything inappropriate. I met really nice men just looking for love and they just weren't right for me. So sometimes I go, look, you're really nice. I would, I would be happy to stay in touch. You're just not right for me. And then I matched with Matt and, um, I turned up on our first date, socially distanced walk between lockdowns with 30 questions on an A4 sheet of paper. I literally went, right then, uh, Matt, I've got these questions. (laughs) And he was like, okay. And everyone else says, oh my God, and he stayed. Like, he didn't run a mile. And A, he didn't, but B, it's interesting to me that that is always the response. What you wanted to ask your dates deep questions, everybody's shocked by that, and I was like, Well, yeah, but like if he didn't want to answer deep questions, I've just literally left a relationship where the man said to me, Don't ask such an awkward question when I asked why he loved me, and so I didn't want to be in that space, I wanted to be with somebody who was really happy and willing to answer deep questions, so we we're only supposed to do about 10 on the day, but actually we did all 30 because Matt really enjoyed the process. Yeah, you know, he I answered them back. So it wasn't just one way. It was really fun. It was really lighthearted, but it's things like, I asked him, what's the most Im- impactful thing you've learned from um, a book or a piece of personal development or a guru? And if somebody at that point sort of turns around and says, um, well, I don't really read and I don't really do personal development that wouldn't have been the person for me and I could have moved on and that was great so I can see you smiling because I know Sharice this is like kind of a It's something that we talked about the other day and you were like,
0: oh my God, I love
1: that. Yeah, I do. And I love that story just as a whole and just everything about your journey through this. I think, you know, the fact that you are such a self-aware person, the fact that you're so open to receiving help, I think these are all really beautiful traits that as humans, we need to normalize more. So thank you for sharing all of that because I think that's so important. And the fact that you were able to, um you know, use your course. And I think this is the thing, right, you know, with healing is that I talk about a lot in my own journey is the fact that you know as I healed I became a different version of myself and then I feel like some people preferred me better broken so then now those people aren't really in my life anymore and I think it's the same especially in a romantic situation and you know you said a few times you know with the 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 ex about there was a few like end ends and it it kind of kept trailing on because we we do that thing don't we where we're like oh but you know it just works out as convenient or whatever we make those kind of things but I think um me and my friends have this kind of perception that when a woman is ready to end a relationship she makes her mind up before you know like so men are quite impulsive as in like I've just had enough it's over whereas women know like that it's going to be the end like about a month before and they'll are like preempting when it happens and I feel like that's always been your story within that but I love the fact that you know you're talking about the um relationship coaching and like you know that was really what but when you was talking to me about that previously i was so intrigued by that i was like wow i was like we all need more of this this needs to be so normal i didn't even know that it was a thing that you could have a coach for you know um dating in particular but i loved that whole process of you know what you went through to get that clarity and even the intention that you had for going on the dating apps i'm not gonna lie to you dating out the same thing you know like and and from exactly what you said you know you you put your profile on um you know there's a million people that are interested and um they just for me none no one's actually been right in that sense now I've met some really nice people don't get me wrong but I think it's been really nice to hear as well that how you I think I get from you just generally that you're very detail orientated and you're thorough in everything that you do and I think from the get-go that Matt really was on board and you know I think when you say the 30 questions the initial reaction is like what but the fact that you are answering those questions too and you're open and it's a free conversation like surely I mean we see all the time you know like on programs about like people having little questions like in their bag or like written on the back of their hand it's almost an element of that it's just because you're in this space it's like no these are really meaningful questions that actually should be normalized and you're so right because you know even what you said about the the self-work that that's a massive part of my life so if, if the person that I'm dating has no um want to do that which actually has happened quite a few times you know and I feel mm-hmm. like again for you like probably similar situations like the light in me shines a shadow on them you know like as in like my light blinds their like creates yeah. a shadow in their life and then they're like oh gosh I need to work on that thing now I'm mm-hmm. not going to dull my light for anyone else so you either have to use that light as an ignition to light yourself up and or oh, it just shines back to me and I feel like that's um but one of my friends she's really into spirituality and she talks a lot about the man being the moon and the um sorry the man being the sun and the female being the moon and the the sun the moon gets its light from the sun so the sun shines its light onto the moon and then moon reflects it back and that's that beautiful synergy of a healthy relationship is the light's always bouncing between the two and I think um yeah you've just found a way to like really coin that i feel like we should be putting you everywhere you should be coming up on the little app with the tinder thing you know or the or the bumble whatever it is you know like it should be you in the background like need help (laughs) people need to
2: want it though and um i am an expert in a dating group on facebook and it's amazing how many people are really reluctant and I've upgraded it to 40 questions so it was 30 questions when I did it but I've added 10 of my own in because these are all a lot of these questions are from the 60s they're from psychologists and they're really value-based questions but there's also some um that I've added in myself but it it seems like if you think about um one of the questions is how when you're really stressed and you're really um like pressured how do you practice self-care And that can be a really hard question for people to answer, Mm. but it's also very telling about that person. And so some people won't practice self-care when they're pressured. So they, or how are you in an argument? Are you somebody that leaves and walks out or are you a shouter or, you know, what those sorts of questions? And And then people say to me, oh, but they won't give you the honest answer. And that may be the case but it's not about necessarily people won't necessarily give you the whole answer the first time either because you've got to get to know each other and and if you feel unsafe with the person you're dating like I felt very safe with Matt we'd had really good conversation and I felt safe to share everything that I'd shared with him but if I hadn't felt safe there is also like don't share all your deepest darkest stuff with people who don't feel safe so there is some security if your gut is saying "Mm, this guy's you know, all woman. Like Matt had some really pretty awful dates. Bless I didn't have awful dates. He had some pretty awful dates. Um there were there was one lady that turned up on on a date with him saying that she had no children and then when through the process of the date, it turned out she had four children. She just wasn't allowed to see them.
1: Oh wow. That's a massive <laughs> like wow. Yeah that's
2: that's a massive skirt over the truth.
1: Absolutely.
2: Um, so there are the, the other thing to understand with online dating is there are women doing the same thing as the men are doing to the women. It is sure. a, really a, a two, two way street. So it's how you show up is what you will receive. And we're back to that same message again. How you show up is what you will receive. Um so it's, it's been a really fascinating process for me to try it out and experience it and do it but Mm. the other thing with all of this is our triggers and where we get triggered in relationships and how we then deal with that so at our age you know I'm in my 40s you have relationships I've had I've had a divorce so there are triggers that happen and it's how you then take those into the next relationships and how you deal with them that are massively important our first um And it was just a conversation. Um, Matt had gone away to his dad's for Christmas. We we met in um, November. He went away for two weeks at Christmas. And it was really obvious that he hadn't told his dad anything about me. Um, He was like hiding in the bathroom to call me and stuff like that. And because my previous relationship, the four year one, he hadn't told anyone about me for two years, which I take full responsibility for that I tolerated that. I got triggered. So in the past, old Jenny would have gone, he's not told his dad about me, he's not told his dad about me. I would have got really angry. And then at one point I would have kaboomed and gone, what mm.
0: have
1: done? Yeah.
2: So instead I took a deep breath and I said, look, I just want to tell you, I don't want you to change anything. I just want you to know that I'm feeling quite upset because of my past relationship and it's got nothing to do with you at all. But because he didn't tell anybody about me, um, for quite a long time I'm finding this really difficult and I know you've probably got your reasons I just need you to know that I'm finding it a bit upsetting and he just said look my dad has had to rescue me from my own bad relationships I'm really enjoying getting to know you I don't want him stressing over Christmas because yeah. he can't meet you like they lived a long way and um, I don't want him feeling stressed and therefore stressing me out so when it's the right time and it's not Christmas and all that stuff I will tell him And immediately, like, my pressure just sort of went Mm. straight down. So the way that you ask these questions is really important, too, and the intention that you ask it with. Um, We had a conversation, um, me and Matt talk about it in depth in my podcast episode, what is love that, me and Matt talk about our love story
1: and what we think love is. I love that. Oh, Um, go over to that, listeners. yeah
2: it's a Matt was like oh my god this this is so hard um but we had this quite recently where I said to him I'm just interested we were lying in bed and he was cuddling me and I said I'm just interested and it's not a criticism at all I'm just curious that you never say you love me Uh, like he will always respond with I love you if I've said it but he will never say it and he said to me I don't see the words he said, I don't, I don't hear the words, like the words, are, and he said, I don't know if it's because I'm dyslexic or like, he's just, he's a visual person.
0: Mm, um, you know, exactly. he's been a lighting designer
2: for 25 years. He's a brand um, strategist. He's, he's a designer, he's a visual person. So he explained his representation of love to me, which is visual. And, um, and so for him, the words don't come. Mm. And I think there's a lot of women out there they'll go he never says he loves me and he or you never say you love me why don't you say you love me and the men may not have the vocabulary like Matt does because we do a lot of this kind of talking all the time to explain to their partner or the women might not either you know this isn't a male female thing to say well that's not how I express love I don't mm. see the love as words and just having that conversation was so helpful to me to understand how he represents love Mm. which is through the words
1: I love you so how is it through then is it like through like action it's It's really
2: hilarious (laughs) I just can't remember whether he said it on the podcast he may not appreciate it but I'll tell you anyway um for him he said it's like those cartoons where you know um oh what was it Pepe Le Pew with the the little skunk thing yeah you yeah remember? yeah yeah yeah. where the eyes go out and stalks and yeah goes, so for him it's like the noise the eyes going out and the noise so he has that sort of visual he doesn't have words
1: oh that's cute though that's and that was a really important part that you just shared then I think that's going to help so many people because I think um you know, and we speak about obviously love languages. I I speak about that quite a lot. I mean, do I? I probably don't speak about it quite a lot on my podcast, but I speak about it a lot when I'm talking about dating with friends and stuff. And I think um, it's now becoming more popular and I'm glad it is because it is that formula, isn't it? That we need to understand people because as I said, you know, even with my clients and like healing isn't linear and it isn't the same for everyone, it's the same with love. And I think we expect our partner to feel and receive love the same way that we do and we get let down by our own expectations so you know the fact that you are heightening you know and and making everyone aware that these conversations are so important they really are because if you don't ask you'll never know the answer and I think then you'll sit in that 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 space so you know that thank you for sharing with that because I think that's just so important that we just we really do take that for granted. I think as well, a lot of it is that people are scared to have that conversation because they're scared yeah. of what the answer will be. But as you said previously, if you don't feel safe to ask that question, then I think that that's your answer already, isn't it? You know, like knowing that that's Absolutely. not it.
2: And somebody actually said to me recently, but what about fun? And I was like, well, how many relationships have you started that's been all about fun and they're not a relationship anymore, which is why you're looking for a relationship mm. now? And this wasn't not fun. It was really fun. It was really playful. But all of those questions allow you to then have easy fun because you're not constantly worried about what the answer might be. I don't I used to spend literally days with a question in my head going I need to ask this question but I don't really it's going to kick off and and I would work myself up for days and days and days and I would be sat in the car we would be sat next to each other in the car and I'd be thinking ask the question just ask the question just ask the question ask the question ask the question and this would go on for days
0: Mm. and then eventually
2: I'd ask the question and sometimes it would be okay and sometimes it would be more difficult but it was the fact that I didn't feel confident
1: enough to ask the question that was the problem Absolutely. I can relate to a few times again myself in those situations where I've asked the question, but I've worded it in a different way, or, you know, like I've, there's been like a different way of doing it. And I think for me, what I've learned in my own dating experience is that because I spent so much of my life emotionally avoidant, that that's been the men that I've attracted and um you know just now working through all of that and finding like I said the piece I think I spoke about in your podcast about you know now my masculine feminine energy are like holding hands and they're in a a nice union that um going into dating is, is a different space and even this year I feel like I've had another situation where it went really well it went really smoothly didn't work out but it was quick and it was kind of like another uh thing for me to look at myself like what am i doing here that needs to be different and i think like you just said then where am i searching for this like person that's ideal and perfect and like have all the fun with do all the great things with but if we don't get through those important questions at the beginning the fun won't the fun won't be meaningful And I think that's really it, isn't it? Because it's empty otherwise, you know, like you've got friends you can go out with and you've got other people you can go out with to do like fun things that are all crazy at the beginning. Like, I think if you prioritize that too much, then you don't get the nitty gritty part that's important. Life is always gonna have challenges, always, Mm. because that's just what life is. And if you
2: have a partner that is only about fun and easy times and the values don't match, then the hard times will come and they are hard. Absolutely. So it's it's about kind of gearing yourself up for, for having a great relationship that can survive the more tough times. So me and Matt had been dating for six months and all of a sudden the thing, my household kicked off in major fashion um, where a year down the line from that, we realized that m- my daughter is neurodiverse and so that the last two years we've been together three years now but the last two years have been so difficult dealing with teenagers and ADHD and autism and all that that brings with it that if we didn't have that foundation there is no Mm. way like he would have been out the door my ex would have been out the door anyway like it's been so challenging but because we had that basis even Mm. after six months um and I have quite often (laughs) not often once or twice I've opened the door and said do you want to walk out because I have that avoidant nature in me too Mm. um I'm learning to be secure me and Matt are learning to be secure together but he was very very anxious attachment style I would swing from anxious to avoidant well I would always start avoidant then I'd Mm. go anxious yeah I'd go avoidant and because I and quite often the so a lot of avoidance will start by love bombing and they will convince you this is what happened with my ex, they will convince you that you're meant to be together, you're the best person in the world, and they'll do all the things and take you for dinner and do all the fancy stuff. And then as soon as you invest and go, right, okay, I can be in this relationship, they go, oh,
1: yeah, didn't really mean it. Yeah, been in that, <laughs> been in that a few times, singing that song. Yeah, know that one. Yeah. And they step <laughs> back straight away.
2: Um so learning to be secure when you have been in that kind of avoidant and anxious swing can um is possible and i think that's the great thing to know is it is possible to change your attachment style but also sometimes even with all the practice there are have been occasions where i've gone right you need to back off now and you need to give matt the chance to leave if he needs to leave because this is so difficult and uh and then he really has to pull me up
1: (laughs) yeah but that's so wonderful and i think it's that you know as you were speaking about you know that that thing the word that came into my mind straight away was safety and i think you're both creating a safe space for each other and i think it's that support you know like i'm almost like a picture is coming to my head of like a harness and you're both like harnessed into this together it's like you're you're abseiling you're you're climbing or whatever it is and you're in it together and i think that that harness is created through those conversations because otherwise you're gonna you might fall, right? Because you don't mm. know that person's gonna catch you. Whereas, you know, you that conversations that you had at the beginning of your relationship and you're consistently having about the hard times are just creating a stronger foundation. So if you did fall, you're in that harness. So, you know, the relationship's always gonna catch you.
2: Great analogy. I like that. Thank
1: you. It um, and it's also
2: things our first date. I said, What do you think about marriage? And he said, I don't want to get I don't want to get married. He'd he'd already been married, he didn't want to get married. Now at that point, I have to go, So I know a few people of my age group who really want to get married again. So at that point, they can go, no, I want to get married again. That's a really important value. I was like, yeah, I'm not sure I want to get married either. So that's fine. And I have to be 100% okay with that. Mm. And the way our relationship is now, he doesn't live with us, he lives in his house. And, um, and sometimes, you know, when things are getting really overrun with the girls, he's got his place and his space and Mm. and then i can go to his and not bring all of this stuff that's going on around me my house with me and i can just get go to his and go oh yeah i can relax here and Mm. so it works but it's whatever works for you that's not going to work for everybody but it's whatever Mm. works for you and that's how all of this is it is about what works for you and um one of the things I really want to talk about also today, because I think it's important, is um big change. And you've been through big change over the last few years. And I think you've probably a bit like myself spent your whole life in change, where um, because of, of your career and your dancing and your traveling, there's always changes and you've got to change mm. different environments, different groups, different people. And and I've always been the same with that, but change is humans can be really bloody hard mm. <laughs> because we like the same generally. Like we are yeah, creatures we of do. habit and we tend to like the same thing. And over the last uh four years I've been really sort of fighting to stay in the house, which is the house where the girls have been for the last eight years and they don't like change. And and I've really been sort of battling to stay here and recently I've just realized that I can't stay here it's not viable for us to stay here and so then I have to look at the other stuff around me and go okay so so how can I make this change that we haven't necessarily chosen into a choice and how can we make that a much better experience Mm. and so last week I sort of put a very vague post on Facebook saying I'm thinking about selling my house Everybody, of course, is saying that the housing market's terrible, blah, blah, blah. And I sold it within 24 hours. And unless anything happens in the chain, I think, you know, it's a secure sell. And so within, I literally was on the couch in the morning at Matt's house saying, I'm going to have to like, when are you going to put the house on the market? I I really don't know. And I just sat there on the couch and I thought, just write this post. If you get this post out there into the universe, the universe will take over. Mm -hmm. And within 24 hours, the universe has taken over. And since that happened on Wednesday, my whole mindset has changed from four years of battling against something Mm -hmm. going, right, now I can deal with this. Now I can, I know what I'm dealing with. Now I can move forward. And I know there's so many women, particularly in divorce and men actually though, in divorce situations where they're holding back and holding back and they're not proceeding with the divorce or they're not, they're not doing things because they're so afraid of what the change might bring. Um, And I was worried about how the girls might react and and it might not be easy, but because of the structure that I've got in place in life, as in, I know that the best will happen for us, whatever the best is, Mm. all of a sudden I've gone from, I don't want to live in that place um and and um near to where the school is don't want to live there. don't want to live there and this week I'm going yes we're going to live there because if we live there these are all the positives that comes with that
0: Mm. and it only
2: has to be for this period of time to get us through school and then I can do something else I don't have to be stuck with that particular thing so my mindset again has done another flip of of change And I think that's um, a really important message that things might feel really difficult, they might not be what you want, but if you just sort of take that breath and take those little
1: steps and trust that the universe will give you the right thing it will happen yes I love that so much that's so amazing and congratulations on that as well because that's a really nice achievement isn't it to have just internally as well to feel that you've done that there's a few points that you said there which I just want to pick up on again you said that change when you flip change to be a choice which I absolutely love and I feel like When you were saying that I was thinking about times in my life when I've done the same thing and I thought, actually, I don't need to be a victim here, I can use this to my advantage. And I think, um, have you heard of Edith Edgar? She's the Auschwitz. Yes, and survivor yes, yes, yes. and she yeah she's yeah. so she's um also she went into being a psychologist and um I was reading her book and it's really incredible like she's like I said an Auschwitz survivor and um, her book is called The Choice and it's about in every moment when she could have given up she chose to keep going and I think that um you know in our lives it looks different each time but it could be the fact that you know like you said it meant that you had to give up your family home that you didn't want to at the time but then when you reframed it thought actually you know what I can hold the power here in this situation and you did and inevitably you're going to get the best outcome for it and I can understand how hard that is with the kids as well because neurodivergent um some of the Obviously, things uh-huh. is that the safety and the structure of the same thing, which yeah. I understand, you know, just for my own education in that. So, yeah, that's a very difficult thing, and I'm really happy that you're able to um reframe that in such a nice way. And then there's also an element there which is shining so brightly for me in your conversation. There is the self trust. It's like, no, you know what? Like, you know, we trust the universe, obviously, but the fact that you trust yourself in that decision, I think, is so beautiful, and that needs to be highlighted for a lot of people because whatever you believe is true. And, and that's evident from, you know, your whole life looking back on it. And even in my own life, you know, I see that. And I think that's something that we, again, you know, when I was talking about our intuition as women, you know, like we doubt that self-intuition, we doubt that, doubt that self-trust. And I think that's so important that you just know that regardless of anything, whatever decision you make, you will get the best out of it if you believe you will. Whereas if you choose to be the victim of that situation or you choose everything that's unfair, it always will be. And I think that that's just an important thing to share at the end there. But you have had such a wonderful, like, you know, this conversation has been so rich and I'm so grateful for it. And, um, you know you've highlighted as well like some of the things that you work for yourself still which is really important which I love to hear but what would be kind of i guess your top tips maybe for someone coming out of a divorce going into dating again or anyone going into the dating sphere like maybe like three top tips that you would give to someone listening uh
2: definitely read up on attachment styles um the book attached is really good um, it's got like a magnet. i can't remember who wrote it but uh i'll send it to you you can stick it in show notes yeah. um that's a great book learning about love languages not being afraid of questions um my 40 dating questions is also available to download so I'll yes do i'm going to yeah too. i'm definitely going to share that um but keep not it. being afraid to communicate but also i have to t- put my hands up to some bad communication in the past because I was expecting the person to be different to who they were. Mm. And I think when you expect the people to be different to who they are, you're always going to be disappointed. Yeah. One of my favorite phrases is that, uh, well, as human beings, we are really rubbish mind readers. We're terrible. Yeah. Yet we expect it of our partners all the time. They should know me well enough. They should know what I want. They mm. should know I'm thinking that. And then if they don't do that, we get affronted. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, ridiculous. <laughs> we literally are terrible mind readers as human beings. Unless you're Darren Brown, don't even bother trying. We can't do it. So if we're terrible mind readers, the people we also cannot expect that of our partners. Mm-hmm. So if you're expecting your partner to read your mind and do what you want to do, you are being incredibly unfair. And I think you have to take responsibility for that. It doesn't matter how many times you've told them a particular thing if they're asking the question it's because they want to know the answer or they haven't maybe they haven't had it maybe they are ADHD but I've learned all about my own since my girls I'm like oh my god I'm ADHD and so (laughs) again having that awareness I have then been able to put things in place to manage myself me and Matt work together and we're going to uh, be doing a lot of work together from from next year and, uh, we'll sit next to each other working away and, uh, he'll go, Jenny, concentrate, and I'll go, oh, Jenny, yeah. and then will go, hmm, oh, Jenny, concentrate, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I could get cross at that, but I'm, I don't because it's for my
0: benefit. Mm.
2: And so I'd say, stop beating your person that you're, you want to love up because they're not guessing correctly
0: yeah
1: that's so important so important I think as well like, a lot of what you were saying like, even in the conversations you and Matt have reminds me of like Harwell Hendricks um I don't know if you've heard of him but he's also a relationship coach so um years and years ago like his stuff is the Amargo theory so it's the fact that we meet the match based on our own childhood experiences yeah but- A way to obviously manage that is to have these really difficult conversations, but that make each person feel seen and heard. So it's almost like one person gets to talk, the other person repeats what the other person said back to them, then says... Okay, here's what I would do. And then the other person repeats that back. So it's almost creating this dynamic of a back and forth to create understanding. But obviously it doesn't need to be that thorough. I think the way that you're able to facilitate that space is, you know, beautiful. It sounds so easy the way you're doing it almost to an extent. And I know it's never easy, but you know, I think
2: sometimes it'll take me a couple of days. I'll be sat there going, Jenny, you're a communication coach. Like Mm. communicate. Yeah. So sometimes it does still take me a few days to get my head to the point of going. Uh, Matt can we just have a chat because <laughs> yeah uh, and it's never ever what I thought it's you know quite often it's something completely different or um so yeah I think just having the confidence to not think
1: that this is all dull and boring relationship stuff it's necessary. Well, that's
2: what people see, isn't it?
1: They yeah. Really I, I think personally everything you're saying for me is like, wow, I've been doing it all wrong for my whole life. That's why I'm single. That's it. You've hit the down on the head. So I but think I for was me, 43 when I got there. well <laughs> when I got there you go up on the head. That's it. That's why I'm like, I'm like, I was clearly meant for this right now, Jenny. So if I'm married next year, it'll be because of you. <laughs> And I'll, I'll be saying that I'll be like, if I didn't meet Jenny, I would never have had this. And I believe that. A fascinator. <laughs> yeah, I believe it. I believe that the universe has answered my prayers in you, Jenny. So thank you for being here with me today. And um, I hope that my listeners obviously can take something from that, whether it's obviously you're looking for love, or you're looking to deepen your relationships in all relationships, because communication, communication is important in everything. And I'm such an advocate of that. And I'm, I'm definitely up for having a hard conversation. All of these
2: tools work for parents, it works for kids, it works for siblings, you know, mm. so I will have it's not just about romantic relationships. Yes. I will go to my parents and put boundaries in that I never used to put in. And mm-hmm. my dad is like, he likes to see the tiger around the corner. And so when you get that back at you all the time, sometimes that can be really hard. And I just say, look, dad, I can't, it's hard enough. I can't have that. So yeah. please don't do that with me. And I understand why you're doing it. And I understand that you're trying to keep me safe, but it's making me feel making it really hard and i have such an amazing dad that he will he's taken that on board even you know he's in his 70s having to deal with me changing Mm. and me putting these things in and he does he sometimes he doesn't always understand it but he absolutely respects and stands
1: back and goes okay
2: Yay. So this isn't just about
1: your romantic partner. It's absolutely. And I think it's so, so important you highlight that because I think we're scared to change because of what might happen to the other people around us. But inevitably the right people will always evolve with you, won't they? And that's so important to say. But where can we find you to work with you, Jenny? What do you offer? All the things. Uh well, I've got an awesome website built by
2: my lovely Matt. Um Jenny at Jenny Jarvis. Um no, that's my email address. Uh jennyjarvis.co.uk. And um, I will send you the link to my 40 dating questions. I've got a mini series of 30 coaching videos, which um, I've had brilliant feedback from. Basically um, get one uh, video in your inbox every day. They're a couple of minutes long and it's all the tools that I have used in the last two years, to stay sane, when the world has really been kicking off around me, yes. Um, you know, when when you've got teenage kids that are not happy, um, it's challenging, and mm. uh, so it's all my sane tool tips. Um, so yeah, I, mm-hmm. I love working one to one. That's where my heart lies. I love working one to one, but uh, I and I do
1: lots of other things. So just go on my website, have a look yeah definitely and to finish off i always do like a soul to soul message so i feel like you know whether it's based on this conversation whether it's something that you feel like you need to say right now maybe to your younger self like what would be your soul to soul message to end the
0: episode
2: my message to my younger self would definitely be to find help earlier to go and look up personal development stuff um i would probably tell myself to listen to mel robbins because i think she's amazing um and then I would tell myself to go and find the drama dialogues but that wouldn't be possible because I hadn't started it yet um and and I think it's just I was so afraid when I was young to change things it's why I did a degree for four years that I really hated I was so afraid of change I was so afraid of anything different and um learning how to embrace change I think is Mm. it's inevitable whether you've chosen the change or you haven't it's inevitable so I would definitely tell my younger self to work out how to um, embrace change. And uh, yes, that's the sort of things I tell my daughters now and they roll their eyes at me and they go, oh, mum, stop poaching me. But I really hope that they listen to me. I also mm. say, I was telling someone today, I also say uh, to my daughters all the time, if they're going to any sort of counselling type uh, remit, I say, talk about me as much as you like. If you want to Slang me off say anything you like about me please go in and offload and tell yeah. them because i think that's so important that Absolutely. as a mum, i try my best but i don't always get it right mm. so i think allowing other people
1: including partners to go away and talk and Get the stuff about you off the chest. Don't take oh my gosh personally. Yes, I completely agree with that. I've always said that. Unless someone comes and tells me to my face, it's not my problem. Like, literally, what you say about me behind my back, it's not my problem at all. Not one bit of me cares. So, I think that that's such a great way to have it. But maybe it's a resilience in us. So, I'm just like, I don't care. But, oh, Jenny, it's been such a pleasure to have you. And I've learned a lot. So, you know, I'm going to be keeping those 40 questions and I'm going to keep them with me on the date. So, if anyone sees me out of a bit of paper, you know what's happening. Okay. <laughs> but thank you so much Jenny it's
0: been an absolute pleasure to have you thank you for having me it's been really lovely